0: Welcome to What the Midwife Said, the podcast that's all about how babies and families are made. My name is Leah Hazard. I'm a mother, author of the best-selling memoir Hard Pushed, and I'm the midwife, in case you were wondering. In this series, I'm having honest conversations with some incredible guests, taking a deep dive headfirst into their experiences of fertility, pregnancy, birth and parenting. That sheer <laughs> being in your mind and in your body and in a horrible place and then once, one second it's just done. Yeah, and right before it's done you really want to poo yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, you do. It's so grim. It sounds like like, like a version of Wonder Woman lightning crotch. I quite like the idea of that. Perhaps that's my alter ego.
1: I was in my towel. My towel fell down. I was putting her pajamas on when my sister had a shower. And she just latched. And it was actually, on, it was actually onto my bad boots. Oh, I'm so ready. I'm going to be a
2: woman. I'm going to have a baby. <laughs> and Jamie's like,
0: calm down. And I'm like, no, but I'm ready. It was my mummy
1: said to me when I said no, she went, look, lol they are offering you this it means i think you're gonna live and it means i think you've got a future
0: yeah you think how am i gonna squeeze out a whole (laughs) other organism from that (gasps) small place (laughs) just a
2: minute i'm gonna have to pull myself together
0: we're exploring the way we see our bodies and our relationships the choices we make as we build our families and the highs and lows that those choices can bring no judgment no shame just what the midwife said And I want you to join the conversation. If you have any questions or you'd like to share your experiences, you can find me on social media at Leah Hazard on Instagram or at Hazard underscore Leah on Twitter. Just include the hashtag what the midwife said. One of my main goals with this podcast was to amplify the voices of people who are creating real change for women and families. And I'm privileged to feature not just one, but two amazing change makers in today's episode. The first time round, it was, I was saying to the
2: midwife, hey, I feel like I need to push, I need to push, something's just, you know... And it was a lot of, no, don't push. You're going to reverse everything. Stop pushing. Stop literally
1: shouting at me. i was ready to give up. And her just saying, you know, you can do it, girl. I believe in you. For all the confidence, all the power, all the strength.
0: Tinuki Awe and Klo Abe are the founders of Five Times More, a grassroots campaign to highlight the shocking fact that Black women are five times more likely to die in pregnancy and childbirth in this country. Welcome Tenuke and Chloe from Five Times More. I'm so glad to have you both here. And when I was preparing for this episode, I was keen to just include in the intro a huge big list of all the amazing things you've done. And um, Steve, the producer, had reminded me that it was actually important to let you guys tell your own story. But you've you've achieved so much that I just couldn't wait to share. Tinoke, can you tell our listeners what five times more is and what was the sort of major study and statistic that uh, encouraged it to come about?
2: Five times more came about because black women in the UK are five times more likely to die during pregnancy and six weeks after childbirth in comparison to a white woman. And that is according to the Embrace UK um Maternal reports from 2018 and 2019. As a as an organisation, as a campaign, we seek to address the maternal mortality rates of the disparities um, that Black women face when it comes to our maternal outcomes. And it came about because I personally um, didn't have a great experience giving birth to my son in 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I wasn't listened to. I felt like my pain wasn't taken seriously, and Basically, you know that that echoed a lot of the women in the in the community that I serve with, um, called Mums and Tea. Uh, a lot of Black women just kind of felt like they weren't listened to, they weren't taken seriously, which then led to you know things like emergency C sections, um, and you know all sorts of, sort of very very terrible outcomes um that avoidable outcomes you know in some cases um so when I heard the embrace report coming out um, in 2018 that black women are you know five times more likely to die I I was shocked but I wasn't entirely surprised because of you know the the terrible experiences and um, that I'd heard firsthand from from mothers um So with that, I did my research and I started looking into the statistics because I was like, hey, what's going on here? I don't really I don't really get it. And I found that this has actually been going on for for decades now. This has been going on for a really, really long time. And I felt like if something was being done, the number would be going down as opposed to going up. Yeah. Um, So into context for you, in 1991, I'm I'm definitely showing my age here, but in 1991, my mum gave birth to me. She, um, as a black woman, was more likely to die, but there wasn't any previous data collected. So, you know, in the reports, you didn't really see um, a number, but like after 1994, you see a number and that number steadily rising over the years during these reports. And I just thought to myself, look, something needs to be done. This is, this is just not right. So like I said, I support a community of black mothers through Mums and Tea, which is where I met Chloe, who runs Prosperities. That's a social enterprise supporting um, black and South Asian pregnant women. And I was like, Chloe, you've got this amazing network. Uh, You've got all the knowledge and the links. Um, I've got this, you know, I've got Mums and Tea. I've got the influence. Let's, Join forces and and create something, um, make a a song and dance about it and let people know that this is happening and happening right now here in the UK. It's not an American thing, uh, not just an American thing, should I say. Um, And and just let people know about it. So that's how Five Times More came about. We started The Conversations in 2018. We launched in
0: 2019. um, And we are where we are now. Which is an absolutely amazing place to be. I mean... The story you tell is phenomenal. You and Chloe obviously had this sort of ready-made community from the groups you were running and involved with already, but then how you've turned that into activism has been phenomenal. Chloe, can you tell us a little bit about what's happened over the past few weeks and months? So the past
1: few weeks, we had the UK's first Maternal Black Women's Awareness Week, um, which was in September. It was a whole week of... um, campaigning um, with Black Disparity. So we had daily hashtags um during the week and we had our first virtual event um, and we had a panel of health visitors, health professionals, sorry, and mums on that panel. Um, we had our five times more um, selfie where it's you put your hand up and have your hand spread out like five. Um, and we did that to raise awareness for our campaign. We um, had the six recommended steps for partners. So the five recommended steps for partners, which we made, we co-designed with partners. We also have the six recommended steps for mums, because as Tanuka said, we want to empower women. We don't want to scare women. It's still relatively safe to give birth in the UK. So we wanted to give them steps um, to support them and giving them- Given birth to encourage and to empower them. Um, we collaborated with the Royal College of OBS and Gainee to make five steps for health professionals. So health professionals know better how to support, you know, black mums and to reduce these disparities. Um, we got we we have the petition um which was launched in March. We have templates um, so people can write to their MPs um, about the disparities. We partnered up with a positive birth company, who every month give a hundred black women their digital package, which is worth about forty pounds. So they get that for free. And um, that's a hypnobirthing yeah. package, is that right? Yes, yeah, so the hypnobirthing part, um, package. Yeah, and we've got fantastic. loads of positive stories about that. We also launched our blog, which you hear, you know, not just negative stories, but you have positive stories. We've been on ITV News. We were featured in um, uh, British Vogue, The Guardian, HuffPost, Women's Magazine, AIMS. We've just, uh, we've done a lot. Tanika, I don't know if happened, <laughs> that's but we've done, done a lot. lot. <laughs> no, I, I
2: think <laughs> I forgot to add that we're members of the RCOG Racial Equality Task Force oh, as yes. well.
1: Yes, <laughs> forgot about that
0: one. <laughs> yeah, Oh, it's just, it's an amazing list as long as your arms about just stuff you've achieved in a really short period of time. But you're obviously both really passionate about what you do. And that's, I'm, I'm assuming that that passion, Chloe, is what's giving you the energy to do all these things. This to us is a
1: passion. We are so passionate. So we're happy that we actually have the platform, you know, to spread the word and to raise awareness.
0: Yeah. And you you both have young children. Is that right? So, um, Tineke, what age are your children just now?
2: Uh, My son is three and my daughter Eden is five months. Yeah, she's six months (laughs) next week. Yeah, she's five (laughs) months old. I gave birth to her in April And I feel like, you know what, in all honesty, I feel like I just haven't had a maternity leave because I've been working since she's about four weeks old because that's when kind of everything... Kind of took off with the petition going viral, and you know Black Lives Matter, and people really started to look, like you know, listen up and and listen to Black people's issues. Um, so Black Lives Matter really sort of propelled our campaign to the next level. So we literally have been working on this like every single day. Um, so yeah, I definitely don't feel like I've had uh, much of a maternity leave, but hey, I, I see it as I'm doing this for her. Um. Mm-hmm. Like I said, like putting everything into context. My mum was more likely to die. I'm five times more likely to die. If, if I feel like if if just if nothing is done, God forbid my daughter be 15, 25, Do you know what I mean? More times more likely to die because you know we're just not doing anything. It's it's just not right. Sorry, I know I, I can talk. I can talk forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Chloe, your children are young as well, is that right? Yes, yeah, they're not as young as Tanuket. So my son turns six
1: and then my other son is three so yeah still young.
0: Talk about not having a maternity leave I think when my girls were four weeks old I was still in my paper pants and my pajamas like I don't think (laughs) I'd even left the house so I'm just amazed that you have achieved so much but you've obviously as you said you kind of had to strike while the iron was hot Uh, as everyone listening will know I'm sure earlier this year the Black Lives Matter movement really took off with especially everything that was happening in America around Breonna Taylor and George Floyd, and there was a huge amount of raised awareness. Did, did you at the time almost feel, did you feel angry at all that it had taken events like that to actually bring these issues to wider attention? Or did you just think, great, here's an opportunity for us to to bring our cause to the forefront as well? Tanuke, how did you feel?
2: Um, to be honest, it was very bittersweet because... Obviously we have been campaigning since way before um the Black Lives Matter movement. We 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 tried we tried to do a lot. Um, you know, we had a five times more selfie. We we tried to raise awareness um via our various channels. Um and, and it did really well, but it, it literally took that Black Lives Matter. It literally took, let's be honest here, the murder of a man to be televised. Um online worldwide for people to actually start listening up and listening to the issues that black people face and things that people have been talking about you know for the longest time Mm -hmm. so whilst you know it's great that people are are, are listening up and they're they're actually paying attention to stuff that we've been talking about for a long time the reality is we have been talking about it for a long time and it's really sad it's taken that for, for people to get to this point but regardless. You know, we we are here now, and like you said, strike whilst the iron is hot. I feel like everybody right now is listening. There's been a shift almost. Like there's been a shift in the whole world. 2020 has just been a crazy year, and I feel like someone somewhere has pressed reset. You know, on the whole world, and and it's been it's been shifted on its head. And. Mm-hmm. We're not just having these conversations, we're pushing harder for change and we're not taking no for an answer anymore and and, and people are listening up, which is great.
0: Yeah, I think people are definitely listening up and you're you're really uh, drawing things to their attention in a way that's that's new and fresh and dynamic and I think that people have recognized that. I mean, even am I right in thinking that even Keir Starmer was uh, reiterating some of your questions in Prime Minister's questions recently in Parliament. Is that right? Yes, yes, he did. He um, questioned
2: the PM on the matter um so you know we we really are getting out there and also uh it's worthy to note that uh courtney kardashian tagged us in her post on instagram via vanessa Klingori. yes Um, (laughs) okay (laughs) so you know we're definitely getting the word out there which is amazing
0: yeah, I mean, I think maybe one of the Kardashians mentioning you is even a bigger deal than parliament. I mean, in the world that we live <laughs> in now, I think, to be honest, <laughs> you had a wider reach there. But you're, but this is the way to access people now. It's all about social media. It's all about celebrities and people with a platform amplifying your voice and, and joining together with what you're saying. And it's interesting because you were saying, Tanuki, that a lot of the, the impetus for Five Times More came from the sadness and anger you felt around your first birth experience and i think that a lot of women can relate to that certainly it's probably the main reason why i became a midwife because i felt quite angry and disappointed after my first birth although obviously for different reasons and as women we're often taught that anger is somehow uh, unfeminine or unattractive but i mean chloe would you agree that that great change can actually come from a place of anger
1: Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, I think going back to the Black Lives Matter, it's coming from anger and change is coming. Also from five times more, it's coming from a place of, you know, shock, anger, disapproval and change is being made. I think sometimes when there is a problem, you know, create the solution. So turn a negative situation to a positive.
0: And I think it's it's something that's difficult, isn't it? Because... What I found certainly in trying to speak about certain issues online and stuff is that the temptation is to say, look at these awful things that are happening or look at the state of the NHS or the maternity services. Isn't this terrible? But then I'm very aware all the time that there's a fine line between raising awareness and kind of switching people off. So it's important as well to kind of temper that with hope for the future and, and positive messages. Um, Tanuki, have you found that as well? That sort of sort of dancing on that line between raising awareness and also being positive.
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely a very fine line. Uh, like you said, um, we we don't we don't want to scare anybody with this campaign. Like we we that's the last thing we want to do. But this is the reality, and this is what is actually happening. So whilst we have to be very careful and very mindful that you know there are pregnant women who follow us and um you know look at the stories uh we want we want to amplify the voices of you know those who are seldom heard that kind of thing but also let them know that actually you know if you follow our steps you may be less likely to have a Do you know what I mean? A a, a terrible outcome. Or, you know, if you maybe take this hypnobirthing pack, it might empower you to come against this kind of um, negative kind of stories and and that kind of thing. So there's definitely a fine line between, hey, this is this is the reality this is what has happened to some people. This is what's happening to people right now. Um, But there are some positive um, stories that come out of it. And and there are people who have followed our steps and and have had a a really good birthing experience or, you know, um, have seen our campaign and and just felt more empowered. So yeah, it's definitely a very thin, very fine line uh, that we dance across all the time.
0: It's a line. I'm definitely on that line as well. I mean, I've certainly said things in the past about, uh, maybe i've had a really busy shift or difficult things have happened at work and you you get messages from people saying oh you don't want to scare the women you should, you know be more positive but as you say that you know it's it's hard that that line is really tricky when there are things happening in the maternity services that are definitely not good. So, what advice would you give to a woman? Let's say there's somebody listening today who's been to her antenatal clinic and she's feeling a bit hopeless. She she feels that she's been ignored and she's read some of these stories about things that have happened to other black women. Um, where should she start? Can you can you talk us through these steps that you've developed? Our six steps for women. The first
1: one is speak up. So if you feel like something isn't right, make sure you speak and seek a medical professional. Um, so I'll explain that more. Um, I used to work in the hospital. Um, in triage, and a yeah. lot of women, um, some of them, will have reduced fetal movements. Which for people who don't know what that is, you know, you can't feel the baby kicking anymore, moving, and they will wait about. Three days before they come in, and it's because they never knew they were allowed to come in, or they felt like they wasn't supposed to come in, or they weren't encouraged to come in. Maybe because they come, they came beforehand or have come in already, and and felt a bit fobbed off by the midwife. So then we got um the second one, which is um find an advocate, and this is find someone who can speak on your behalf. Not because you can't speak on your own behalf, but you know, as a woman, sometimes we're we're very vulnerable when we are pregnant. So find someone who knows your birth plan, who knows what you want to do, who knows what you've... um, what um, plans you have in place that can speak on your behalf when you're not able to speak on your behalf mm-hmm. the third one is seek an, a second opinion um and you're allowed to seek a second opinion um from any medical staff and this is the one that a lot of mums didn't know they were allowed to have they were allowed to have a second opinion and um, mm-hmm. yes the doctor does know but you also know and if you feel like it's not right then you can seek a second opinion you are allowed um trust your gut which, um, you know, your gut feelings are almost always right. Don't ignore it. If you feel like something's not right, it's probably not right. Um, And the fifth one is do your research. And we've asked women, you know, do your research on trusted um, websites and sources like nhs.com, niceorg.com or patient info. And then our sixth step, which we just added um, recently, is Document, document, document. And we ask women to document everything. If the doctor or the midwife prescribed you any medication or didn't subscribe you any medication, make sure it gets documented.
0: Okay, so when you say document, that's really interesting because obviously for me as a midwife, documentation is everything, right? Like we're taught in our training, if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. There's no legal record of it. You can't prove you did it. But for a woman who's going into her appointments or um, into hospital... How, how can she or how should she document in a way that's safe? Can it be something as simple as you make a voice note on your phone or keep a little journal about what's happening? What's like an approachable way to document what's happening with you?
1: So, um uh- We've actually told women to write down themselves, but also ask the, woman, ask the midwife or the health professionals to document. So I know for my pregnancy, you know, you've got the, matern- the maternity book. A lot of the times when I go home, I look back and I'll be like, nothing's in my book. So before mm. you leave, make sure something's written down.
0: Okay. Okay, so that you as a woman can go back in your yes. own time and go, okay, right, that's what's happened. I understand now or I don't understand and yeah. I can look that up or question it next time. Because at
1: time we do forget that midwife will talk to you and you're like, yes, agree, agree. You get home and it's like, oh my gosh, what did she say? You want to be able to look back and, you know, have some sort of information there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And now those are all really good concrete steps. And I can imagine as a woman who's feeling a bit vulnerable, that gives you something approachable and concrete and achievable to kind of focus on. But as we all know, you know, what you do as a pregnant woman or a birthing woman is only as good as the reception you're going to get from the midwife or caregiver who's looking after you. And that's the whole other side of the problem, isn't it, Tinoke? I mean, how can we encourage caregivers to understand that that they're a part of this as well that's a
2: very good question and uh, part of the reasons why we were very keen on working with the RCOG for the um, five steps for health professionals so I think not only is it five steps for health professionals to take when they are you know caring for black women but it's also something another um, sort of resource if you like for Pregnant women to show their midwives or their caregivers that, hey, you know, you're caring for me. And as a black woman, this is something that I would like you to, to see before, you know, you before we go into this or whilst we're here, why don't you just look at this? So it's almost like this is you know, something that's verified, if you like. The RCOG have said these are the steps that health professionals should be taking if you're caring for black women or, you know, women of colour. Um, so I think that, that you know, on, on top of the steps that the pregnant women can take, this is something that they can signpost their caregivers to. But also on on the other side, sorry, on the flip side of that, health professionals do definitely need to take more onus and you know with our campaign we're not trying to say hey all midwives are bad and racist and doctors are terrible and you know it when Mm. this isn't a blame this isn't a name and shame this isn't that at all I think um what we're trying to you know advocate for is hey if you're a good midwife if you're a good doctor good can always be better and there's nothing wrong with okay this is a statistic. This is something that's real. I may or may not have heard of this, but these are practical steps that I can take to make sure that I'm not a part of this or I'm trying to make care for black women. better. Um, You know, I'm not a health professional, so there's only so much I can say about that. But Mm -hmm. I know speaking to health professionals and midwives and, and doctors, And people who provide care for pregnant women, uh, they've given us some really great feedback on, you know looking at those steps and they seem very basic steps, but if you put it into context and why we put these steps out, it can make the world of a difference to a woman's care.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's difficult, isn't it? Because people I think inherently are quite resistant to change, especially sometimes within midwifery. I've had some conversations with colleagues and with people online around this issue of kind of structural racism and the differences in maternal mortality and outcomes and some colleagues are really open-minded and really welcoming, and and some are very defensive. And some say, "Well, I'm not racist, so you know, I don't have to do anything about this." Or, um, "Well, I hardly ever see any black women, so uh, it's not really my problem." Which is a re- is a really difficult one to come back to. But what's really interesting when you look at the steps that you have devised for healthcare providers is it stuff that we should be doing anyway. I mean, I was on a shift. Um, a couple of weeks ago, on a night shift, and I I brought up your five your your steps on my laptop screen, and I just kept it there all night to kind of check in with over the course of the night, just to be sure that I wasn't missing anything. And it's just really simple things, isn't it? Like listen to the woman, check in with her, provide information in a way that she can understand. Um, I mean, it's nothing complex, is it? It wasn't designed
2: to be complex. I think it's more or less a reminder, you know, um, for for any health professional. It's it's, it's a timely reminder that if you, hey, if you look at these steps, this is what you should be doing anyway. But hey, we're not perfect. And sometimes we fall short of things that we should be doing. We know we should be doing. But these steps are definitely something you can take as a reminder that this is what I should be doing um, to make sure that I'm giving the best care
0: to the women, that I'm seeing as a health professional. I mean, have you found on the whole, Clo, have you found that midwives and health professionals have responded positively to what you're doing?
1: Yes, they have actually. And a lot of our supporters are from healthcare um, professionals. A lot of the um, um, women that support us are from midwives. So it's nice to know that, um, you know, they're happy about our steps because what it, it got to the point where we didn't want us um, midwives to feel like we were blaming them and the blame was going to them. Like you said before, you know, we didn't want them to think, oh, you know, you are racist, you are this. So that's why we thought, you know, right? working with the Royal College of Zangaini and coming up with these steps will encourage midwives to do better. But also for us, for midwives to know that we are supporting them as well and we're here for everyone not just we're not just supporting the women but we are supporting health professionals to become better
0: yeah absolutely and it's kind of one and the same in the end because if you support the health professionals ultimately you're supporting the women as well so it's yeah totally achieving the same goal just in two different directions so it's really I mean I'm in awe you guys to be honest it's really clever the way that you've structured your campaign and achieved these things so far so Chloe what's next what's the next steps for you Oh, I okay, what's next?
1: Um, yeah, we've got a few things that we can't really mention yet, but just 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 look out. We have a few things launching out. Um, yeah, and we are also, one thing I can say, we've got our research that we want to do, our research project. Um, so we want to, you know, amplify black women's voices. So we want to share more black women's voices and more black women's stories to see how we can improve um, black women's outcome. Um, the second one is Rebuild um, and this is, so we'll, um, we are supporting two organisations um, by um, sponsoring and giving them money to, um, so they can better do their work. So one of them is called the Strength to Family Foundation. So there's a lady called Shamika um she was pregnant um she had retained placenta only on day 11 they found out she had retained placenta um so now she's got a could Um, chronical disability and seven years later she's still suffering so we're going to be um, you know um, supporting her organization and then the the, the Delisa Christina Parker Foundation which um, Delisa was a young girl I think she was 26 she gave birth at Lewisham Hospital and died um, given birth and her daughter is severely disabled. So we're gonna we're sponsoring um those two organisations to do the work they're doing. And then the third thing that we have as part of our action plans is to solve so we want to um raise money to do our um research um so it'd be a research project to find out why this is happening why black women are, are five times more likely to die than and white women in the uk so that's what we've got so far but then we've got other organizations who will be working with um also in the future.
0: That's a lot. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive. And for listeners who are interested in finding out more about those two foundations, am I right in thinking that there's some more information about them in the ITV news segment that they can find on your Instagram page? Is that correct?
2: Yes, that's correct. So information on Beyond Strength and the Delisa Parks Christina um,
0: Foundation can be found um, on our website and also on our Instagram. And in terms of your research, I mean, this is like the million dollar question, isn't it? As to why there is this disparity in maternal health outcomes for um, black and minority ethnic women versus their white counterparts. And there, I think there has been a, a bit of research around this in America and in the UK. And correct me if I'm wrong, but no, nobody really seems to get to the bottom of it because it's a really difficult one to to kind of tease out. And people seem to be suggesting that. Maybe it's a combination of um, structural racism and implicit bias within healthcare and also sort of generational factors of stress and uh health issues within the women themselves i mean what what are you is that your understanding and is is that kind of what you're hoping to tease out chloe with your research yeah
1: so what we realize is you can't pinpoint it to one thing there's multiple factors so with um you know the research project that we got in mind yes we'll try to figure out what what are the multiple factors are the reason why black women are more likely to die because as we know, it's just—it's not just one.
0: It's complex, but I'm sure the more research around yeah. that, the better, and hopefully, we'll we'll come up with something that can lead to some positive yeah, change. Yeah, and I
2: think what we also were trying to do with this research is to go a step further and outside of the mortality rates, because of course we know what the mortality rates are, but we also need to talk about morbidity and mm-hmm. illness and the experiences that black women are having within the um, within the health sector. Um, when it comes to maternal um outcomes because we we already know that black women are five times more likely to die but one thing that is largely uncovered and and what we hear a lot when we're on a lot of the um zoom calls and and people that are higher above us is that we can't find black women or black women are hard to reach and what we what you know to counter that and to come and say hey, actually, we are Black women ourselves, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we are educated Black women. We have a wealth of Black women in our networks. And we are these Black women that are so hard to find. We're not this mythical Human being that you know we 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 don't want we don't engage or we don't care we are here and we want to amplify the voices of those that you know don't actually ever really get told or, or or get heard so. That's another, you know, another part of the project where, you know, we, we, we really do want to uncover what's going on and shine a light on this. You know, just as COVID has done, you know, COVID has shone a light on the disparities within, you know, um, that, that black, black people face within the health system. So mm-hmm. we, we literally we just want to go a step further and go beyond mortality and speak about everything, you know.
0: Yeah. And I think that's really important to flag up to listeners because um, obviously when somebody dies, it's the most tragic, saddest outcome. And that is what's deemed to be most newsworthy. It's most sensational. People will read articles if they see a picture of a woman and then go on to read that that sadly she's died. But what people might not understand is that for every woman of whatever race or ethnicity that actually dies in childbirth or the postnatal period, there are Many, many others who, who suffer what you've called morbidity, which is, you know, any kind of ill health. And that can be anything from, let's say, an infection to retained placenta to a clot in the lungs or anything like that. And so I think it's, although obviously it's important to give a, uh, shine a light on mortality, what you flagged up here, which is really important, is that there's this whole other issue of just, um, not death, but, illness and um other kinds of bad outcomes to nuke is that right
2: yeah that's completely that's completely correct completely correct and like i said people always say well, black women are hard to reach and we have a network of over thirty thousand black women within our reach you know yeah. so i think there's nobody better to do this than
0: us and nobody else has done it so far so hey <laughs> Yeah, so absolutely. Why not now? And do you think I mean I, I haven't heard that before, but it seems like so unhelpful this idea that black women are hard to reach, that almost seems like one of those really unhelpful stereotypes that other people have used to excuse poor outcomes like, oh, black women feel pain differently or black women's pelvises are different, which obviously are untrue. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's just another form of um implicit bias of saying, Oh, this population is Quote difficult to reach, Chloe. oh Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I think it's just a
2: way to push back and push the blame black back on black women and make it our fault that yeah. this is happening to us because we're so hard to reach and we don't engage in research and our pelvises are shaped differently and our backs are, sh- are shaped differently or we do the. And this is a real quote that I've heard from a from um a woman, a black woman who's given birth. Um, the midwife said, "You've oh, you've done the black girl thing." Um, which is where the baby's head is high and free. And then all of a sudden it just drops down. So that's, that's a midwife that said that. So, you know, there there are all these things that need to be uncovered. um, And no one else is really talking about this. You know, no one else is really trying to, to, trying to do this. And, like we've mentioned so far, we're really passionate about this, and we do have the network, and we do have the the ear of the the people who are saying, "Hey, we want our voices amplified. We we want we equally want to let people know that we are here." So that's that that's that's a really important part of what why we're trying to raise money. And I guess it's also important to note at this point that we are fundraising, we're crowdfunding, um, because as an organisation, as a small org- organisation, it's really difficult to get um any type of funding you know mm-hmm. um I guess it, yeah this is it, that's a whole different podcast episode
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay you, you can come back and tell us about that one maybe we can have like an old-fashioned telethon where we just uh, people phone in and, and pledge money how does that sound pretty good that
2: sounds amazing, but yes, of course, we we definitely rely on donations from people to be able to keep our work going. Because, like I said, we we found it very difficult to um, to get funding, or we 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 don't hit certain eligibility criteria when it comes to funding, which makes it harder for us as a small organisation. So we've had to rely, again, like I said, on on donations and crowdfunding um, to keep our work going. But we're not going to let money be a factor, and we will definitely keep pushing. Because this is something
0: that needs to, you know, um, to, to 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 happen and, and be put right. Well, we love a birth pun on this podcast, so I think keep pushing is very apt, and I'm definitely going to stick with that. So, to to you and <laughs> to all the listeners who are dealing with these issues, I would absolutely say keep pushing. You can do this, um, which is a great kind of thought to to start to close on but finally I mean I could talk to you guys all day about what you've achieved and what you're still going to achieve but finally this podcast is obviously called what the midwife said um, as a nod to the fact that language really matters. What our healthcare providers say to us can really stick with us for years and language can be a form of care and it can also be a form of harm, which is something your campaign has also highlighted. So can you share with the listeners and share with us something that a midwife has said to you Good, good or bad, that's really stayed with you as you've moved through motherhood. So it can be something that really kind of stuck with you and inspired you or unfortunately something that uh, hurt you or um, made made you feel unheard at the time. Chloe, can you, can you think of anything to share with us about uh, something yeah. that I so to you?
1: From our first pregnancy, which was such a beautiful pregnancy, I always talk about my first pregnancy, it was so beautiful. Um, the midwife I'd had... had and um, gave me affirmation and the one that sticks with me which is not the greatest but she's like you can do it girl I believe in you and that really really encouraged me it really did and honestly when I was um, delivering my son I didn't think I could do it I was ready to give up and her just saying you know you can do it girl I believe in you all the confidence, all the power, all the strength. And I actually did it. And I'm grateful for that bidwire. She, she was so lovely. I, if I could thank her again, she was, yeah, she was oh. so amazed. She was amazing.
0: I'm so glad to hear that. Can you remember her no, name? I just you know made, she I remember was? she was the matron that
1: night. And I know from working in uh-huh. the delivery suite the matron to deliver your baby it's not something that happens often unless there's a complication but there was no complication she was the matron um I remember she was she's an older white woman so she reminded me of like her grandma she had that grandma feel to it she was so warm yeah oh she was yeah she was Aww. lovely I don't remember her name but if I see her I'll know who she is definitely you can't forget the face
0: no, definitely not. Yeah, yes. Well, grandma, midwife, whoever you are, you sound amazing. <laughs> that was that was a really good mantra. Actually, I remember in my first birth, which was, now I'm really showing my age, it was nearly 18 years ago that my oldest daughter was born. Um, I had like, there must have been a shift change in the middle of her birth. And um, an older Irish midwife came on. And I just remember, I mean, I had like classic long, posterior obstructed labor and she kept saying to me go on yourself good girl yourself (laughs) really stayed with me and just her enthusiasm and belief in me made all the difference I mean I still had a section but you know it wasn't um her fault or mine and uh yeah, I, t- I can totally get on board with all those wonderful things. And okay, what about you? Can you think of anything to share with us, again, either good or bad, that really has stayed with you?
2: Oh, 100 percent. So obviously, you know, my experience with my son wasn't great. But this time round, um, I gave birth in April to my daughter, Eden. Um, so if you cast your mind back to April. Slap bang in the oh, middle of the scary. pandemic, slap bang in the middle of uh, lockdown, very scary time, very anxious, mm-hmm. um, um, filled time for, for me and, and for a lot of pregnant women um, at the time. I didn't want to go into the hospital. Everything was just crazy, right? Mm-hmm um I so I've tried to go in as last minute as possible I tried to stay home and and do the majority of you know my my surges there um but I when I did go into the hospital eventually I just got the most amazing midwife who empowered me um she was really 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 funny um she um she was just yeah she was just amazing and one thing she said to me, um, I had a water bath. Um, One thing she said to me was, if you feel like you're going to push, that's fine. Listen to your body. And that meant the world to me, because the first time round, it was, I was saying to the midwife, hey, I feel like I need to push. I need to push. Something's just, you know, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of, No, don't push. You're going to reverse everything. Stop pushing. Stop literally shouting at me. Whereas this midwife was like, hey, trust your body. If you feel like you want to push. push." Um, And it made, yeah, it just made me, it just really made me feel really empowered. It really did. And I did listen to my body. And within a few pushes, she was here. So that, that was amazing. And then the midwife's name is Jill. Oh,
0: well done, Jill. She sounds amazing. Yeah, she was really good. Really, really good. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think that what you've just said really encapsulates the best advice for women and for healthcare providers, which is for women, listen to your body and for providers, listen to the woman because nobody but the woman knows how it feels to be inside her body. The woman knows what she needs. She knows what her baby needs and we're just there to serve that need. So uh, that again is definitely a message we can all get on board with. Ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. And I'm just so excited to see what you achieve. Yes, next i will you.
2: definitely
0: watch this face girls thank you so thank much you. thank you so much for tuning into this episode of what the midwife said i hope you enjoyed my chat with tinuke and Chloe from five times more as much as i did please get in touch if you have anything to say about our conversation please do remember to review and subscribe to the podcast so that other listeners can find us Share your thoughts on social media using the hashtag what the Midwife said and tune in next week.